Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey everybody, Bailey Hancock here, and today I have an awesome guest. She's kind of a two-for-one deal because she's not only a PR vet with like 20 years of experience, 10 of which she was running her own company. She's also now a published author and a confidence expert for the book, My Hype Book. So this is Tony Purry. I'm so excited to have Tony because she seems to know a lot about a lot of things. She has a really cool career journey of her own and she happens to be an expert in confidence, which I don't know anybody that couldn't use a little bit more of that. So oh. welcome, Tony. Thank you so much. I love this. I kept, when you invited me to be on, I kept thinking, okay, now how do we manage to keep this down to a minimum? Because we tend to go in for a very long time when we connect. Yeah, I know. It's going to be an issue, but we're going to do our damnedest. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I know. Cause this could be about five to 10 hours. The first time Tony and I ever had lunch together, we were like, okay, let's meet up for a coffee. And they were like, maybe we'll just make it lunch. And it was like a three and a half hour thing. And we didn't even know we looked down. We're like, wait, that's not, that's not right. I know. Like a time change, like in the middle of the day. The right. So, right, right. Yeah. So we could do this, but I'm excited to have you. So me too. Thank you so much. I'm really yeah. excited about you. And I'm excited about this, this that you're doing launching this. This is so perfect for you. It's ideal. And I know you're going to be a huge success. So I'm excited to be in on the ground level. I should tell you all, Tony's book is my hype book, but she's also an incredible hype girl. (laughs) I'm the hype (laughs) woman. (laughs) She's the hype woman that we all desperately need. If you don't have like a friend or a colleague or whatever, that's like your hype girl, get yourself one. Yeah. Let me tell you, when you're not feeling great about yourself, you've got a hype girl that can remind you of all the reasons why you're incredible or worst case scenario or best case scenario here, you get yourself a hype book and then you can remind (laughs) yourself of how great you are. So that's right. I want to know, okay, so where did my hype book come from? I know that there's kind of a story that, you know, your own path took a turn and then you ended up being without confidence. So Tell everybody a little bit about where you went from running your own PR agency for 10 years, being super successful with that, to all of a sudden publishing this incredible hype book. Wow. It's, it, was, it was really an amazing journey for me. It's, a, it's, a, it's exciting for me to say that something really beautiful came out of it, but in the midst of it, I, I, I felt lost and hopeless and uh, completely depleted of confidence. I had the agency for 10 years, but it was around year eight where I started noticing I wasn't enjoying the work anymore. And that was really hard for me because, you know, I, I, I was saying to somebody else, I always call the company my baby. This is my baby. This is my baby. So then to get to a place where I didn't want the baby anymore, <laughs> what kind of mom are you? You're like, shit, I need a new analogy. This is no longer okay. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so I was really in this, this dark place because I didn't want to run an agency anymore. Agency life had really taken a toll on me. I was burnt out. I, I had a great team and a really great roster of clients. We represented clients like hotels and destinations and airlines and really, really fun luxe chefs and you know that. But it's still running a business, being an entrepreneur is a journey and it can be really taxing. 
And so I came to a place where I was just unfulfilled in doing that, but I didn't know what to do with that. And I really grappled with feeling like a failure because I just didn't, it didn't make me happy anymore. And I didn't have another thing that I wanted to go to. So that was the big challenge. For you me. just it's need, one thing, needed something different. Exactly. It's one thing to say, I don't want to do this anymore and tell your friends, but I'm launching this new business or I'm taking right. this new job. I was, I don't want to do that. And I have no idea <laughs> what else I want to do. And so in the midst of that, um, after I scaled the business way back and started working from home, my husband was watching a documentary of Muhammad Ali. And I am not a boxing fan, but for some reason this day, I was fixed on the television and his confidence. All I could think of is how in the world this, did this man maintain his confidence in the face of defeat? How did he maintain it when even the country hated him because he wasn't supporting the Vietnam War. Mm. And then when he was stricken with Parkinson's disease and he couldn't speak, he still exuded all of this confidence. And so I'm like, how? How did, they do, did he do it? <laughs> a few clips later, I see uh, um, right before he's going into a fight and his hype man, his corner man, is in his face. Bailey, he is yelling at him. <laughs> reminding him of all of his victories and his wins and his knockouts and he's the champ and he's the greatest. And honestly, in that moment, I thought, oh, well, if we all had a hype man, you know, right. reminding us of all of our successes, then we'd have that kind of uh, a confidence as well. So I thought I need to make myself a hype book. I need to just sit down and write out my achievements, write out those things that make me really proud of myself. And I did that. And so for two days, I sat in the middle of my living room floor. I cut out pictures. I really took the time to reflect and journal in great detail about not only just listing the victory, but the journal, the journey in getting there, the sacrifices, the, the hard work, the determination. And everything from running the LA Marathon to launching the company, my company in the middle of the recession uh, or the beginning of the recession to pro bono work that we had done. And um, I'll tell you what, within two days of doing that, this confidence rose up, a, a sense of renewed confidence rose up in me like never before. And it was like all of a sudden I had this launching pad for whatever was next. It didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. You know, I just, I was looking at myself through my success lens and it made a huge difference. And a girlfriend sent me a text message during that time asking me what I was doing when I told her about it. And I was so excited. She said, you have to, you have to write this book. And so that put me on a nine month journey of writing what is now called my hype book. And it's, it's like nice because it's part book, but it's also part journal in that you really engage and um, the reader is, is active. It's, it's an active process, process. It's like a workbook, but it's a journal, but it's also a book. No, it's awesome. There's so many beautiful quotes and it's a really beautiful book. Honestly, it's something that you would want to keep out on your, you know, your office um, desk or Thank your you. coffee table. It's so well done and just such a 
a beautiful testament to everything that you have come through and you have survived and you've achieved because right. you all, you know, I think our original hype girls are our moms usually. And oh, yes, for sure. People don't often really take what their parents, you know, it could be your, your sibling, could be your parents, either one. They don't really believe them because they're right. like, well, you have to say that, you know, <laughs> right. this is your fault, whatever. And so there's something different about having an objective piece of paper to look at that you can say, actually, no, you can't fight these facts. Like right. I overcame this. I did this during this time of adversity. I got exactly. dumped, but I came out better on the other end, whatever right. it is. That's it. So That's beautiful. exactly it. It's taking the time to really like, here's the thing is when we are, when we feel like we failed or we've made a mistake or been mistreated or have any kind of setback, we will remunerate over that. We'll play that record over and over and over again. Uh, we'll spend time processing it and then we'll go back and process it, you know, three years later, you know, uh, but when we have achievements and successes, we're kind of then on to the next thing and then we're on yeah. to the next thing. So if you think about the amount of time you spend, mental space you spend on those disappointments versus how much time you spend relishing on the achievements, yeah. it's usually grossly imbalanced. And so this book is hopefully a paradigm, paradigm shift in how you, know, you see yourself and how you do that and think about you know, yourself and your accomplishments. Yeah, no, it's so true. We all beat ourselves up for the same mistakes for years and years, or, you know, we think about what could have been, and yet the things that we have done well, you're right, we gloss right past because we're on right. to the next. So exactly, exactly. I want to know, before we go on with the confidence piece, because I'm always fascinated when people switch either career paths or industries or roles, which you did, you know, you went from doing PR to creating this book and then launching it. You did a Kickstarter. Now you're doing speaking engagements and conferences and workshops. I want to know the piece between the day that you decided you were going to pursue this hype book, even if you didn't know what it was yet. And maybe your first, like the first sale you made, like what were the things that you realized that you didn't know that you needed to know? Who were the people that you realized you needed to connect with because you needed help or whatever it was? What were the things that, you know, if you had to lay it all out as a step-by-step -step process, what was the gap between where you were and where you needed to be to make this book come to life? Do you know what I will say the biggest thing is where my biggest challenge is, especially with running my agency, is I really did a lot alone. I was no good at asking for help. I was the type, I'm going to figure it out. I will plow my way through this. I'll get this done. And so when I came to that place where I wasn't happy uh, with my work anymore, I certainly wasn't going to tell anybody about that or ask for help in that um, because it felt like such a loser place to be in. And um, so my biggest lesson in that was I spent a lot of time suffering in silence when I shouldn't have. One of my girlfriends, she says, you can't be suffering in silence. And I'd never heard that phrase before. And then I realized that's exactly what I was doing. So after launching the book, and so I did the Kickstarter, we launched the book on Kickstarter. And it was really unique how it all happened. I didn't have a deadline for the book. I just knew I was writing a book. And it, when I finished, I finished. And my graphics person, Joanna Holden, worked with me from the beginning, pretty much. Um, and so then I got an invitation to go and speak at a commercial real estate development company in Boston. 
this was in January and they wanted me to come and speak in May and the book wasn't even done. So now I had a deadline. I had a really hard deadline. like a deadline to get you together. <laughs> exactly. And it was a huge opportunity, you know, as well. And so that really put everything in a fast forward um, motion. And then we launched the Kickstarter and so the Kickstarter went really well. We met and exceeded our goal by 30%, did fulfillment. And then the middle of the summer hit me, or late summer, it hit me, okay, I have a book. <laughs> now what? <laughs> you know? Because right. I didn't set out to write a book. It just all, it was really very an organic process. And I found myself in this place of, well, well now what do I do? Mm. Being in a place that was unfamiliar was familiar because I had been in an unfamiliar place when I lost my confidence through my company. And the one thing that I realized I didn't do before was ask for help mm. and to reach out to people and to say, what do you think? And how would you do or what would you do? And that was the key in me landing in this new place of now doing these workshops and speaking engagements and just sitting down with people and say, hey, how can we collaborate? Mm -hmm. um, how can we team up? What, um, what is there that I can do for you? And let me tell you, this is what I'm looking at. Do you have suggestions on what I should do? And that was, a, I will say it was a very humbling place to be, even though it really shouldn't be, um, mm -hmm. because I just wasn't used to asking for help. But boy, when I tell you the people that came out to support me and, um, uh, Carrie, our mutual friend, Carrie Murray, um, who's the founder of the uh, Business Relationship Alliance. And is it relationship or resource? Bra, relationship, no bra. Yeah. relationship. Yeah. Business yeah. Relationship yeah. Alliance. Um, she and I, we sat down. She was one of those people. I said, let's sit down. Let's, let's figure something out. And we hosted a brunch, a, a confidence building hype brunch together. And it was fantastic. And that was one of those things that I came to really understand and appreciate the value of asking for help and reaching out to family and friends and being really candid and honest uh, about where, where I am and the fact that I don't know. And I think as entrepreneurs, you, you often feel like you should have all the answers because you're the head of the company and your team is looking to you to have all the answers. So the last thing you want to do is say, I'm trying to figure it out as I go, you know. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest things for me. Well, and that's such an important factor that a lot of people I think need to hear because the majority of people I know don't like asking for help. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, you know, especially as women, we're taught to be independent and we're taught to just figure it out. And we're taught to don't ask for help because you'll seem weak and all of those right. things. So it's just a lot of ingrained stuff in us that we need to get past. But you know, my other life is as a collaboration consultant and everything I do involves working with other people. And it is so much more fun. It's mm -hmm. so much more efficient. You right. get so much more accomplished in such a short period of time because you have people there to provide you with the resources that you can't provide yourself. Right. And when it comes to moving through your career, I'm a big fan of, you know, bringing on career collaborators. I like to call mm -hmm. them, you know, people that are along for the ride with you, whether they're your colleagues, former or current, your mentors, your former boss, your current boss, people that just like you, that's, that are in your network, that you can say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about potentially leaving this company and, and doing whatever X. Mm -hmm. um, can you introduce me to anybody that could help or could you help or do you have advice? Do you have feedback? 
it's so much better of a process when you it don't is. go it alone. It really is. And you nailed it. It's, it's that illusion that we're being weak if we ask for help or support and that will, you know, it, it paralyzes you. So the, I, I, now I'm, you know, I meet with people all the time and sometimes it's just like us, just a lunch to get to know each other. And then we find out, you know, later, oh, we can help each other in, you know, like a other million movies. billion ways. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's so great. And then now you've got a published book and you have, mm -hmm. you know, I hope you got a whole new hype book for yourself to fill out like for this second phase. <laughs> I feel like you've already had, you know, 20 amazing years of right. success and I'm sure a lot of bumps in the road and what felt like sure. along the way, cause that's just part of the deal. Um, but now you're in this new zone and I'm always fascinated by people that they do make a jump, even if it's not a crazy leap, like PR to publishing is not insane, right? right? PR to confidence building workshops, not crazy, right. but it's still a pivot. And I think what will be interesting and in 10 years, we should meet again and talk about whatever the hell you're doing next. <laughs> I'm sure it won't be this book. I'm sure you'll be on to something else. I'd be, I'd be surprised if it was 10 whole years and not yeah. shorter, but um, cause I think once you make a leap once, it right. gets easier and easier to make a leap again, but I'm yes. sure having a backup hype book to tell you, you know, <laughs> hey, remember you did it before. Even right, right. Would be really helpful. Honestly, that's the whole thrust behind the book. It's using. Um, I was looking through the book recently, um, or talking to somebody about it and pointing some things out. And we, there are pages that have um, words and the definitions to those words. And momentum is one of the words in the book that I, I like to use a lot. Because what happens when you look at your success, when you look at the things that you've done, the, the hurdles that you've cleared, the, um, the chapters that you have you know, moved through, those things give you momentum to continue to go forward. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is about keeping this inertia, you know, going in your life so that you have this movement, this forward movement that, that, you know, propels you to try that next thing that's bigger, a little more daunting, a little more scary, but worth the leap and worth the try. Because I have found also, I didn't know how to, what I, the biggest thing that I learned to in my whole process, I didn't know how to fail. Mm. And um, my first job out of college, my boss, um, I worked at a regional theater in, uh, in the marketing department. And I came up with this big campaign that I wanted to do. And I was so excited about it. And I took it to her and I said, I want to do it. And it's going to be a huge success. And I'm really excited about it. And she says, well, what makes you so certain? Because she had held my position before me. And I said, uh, because everything that I put my mind to succeeds. And it's just a matter of putting your mind to it and working really hard. And she said, well. Did she hit you? <laughs> right. She said, life doesn't always happen that way. And so I just want to prepare you because I know this market that you're tapping into. It's really challenging. And, um, but I support your idea. I think it's great. And she said, well, what if it doesn't work? And I said, but it's going to work. It's a great idea. Don't you think it's great? She's like, I think it's a great idea. But I also know that great ideas, it doesn't end there. And she says, well, I'm just concerned that when something in life hits you that, you, that fails, that you're going to crash and burn. And my, you know, young 20-year-old self said to her, 
But I won't have to, ever have to worry that, about that because I'm always going to succeed at everything I put my, my mind to. Our 20-year-old <laughs> selves would have gotten along very well. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be flippant or sassy. I really was just that naive and that hopeful. And I think it was a good combination because ignorance is bliss and there's something kind of wonderful about yeah. that. But there was a key to what happened is it wasn't until 20 years later that I hit that crash and burn. And it what was, was a what crash was that boss's burn. name? Tamara. Tamara Cofield. Thank you. I was gonna <laughs> say, Tamara, if you're listening, tell yes. me something to say. <laughs> I know. Thank you, thank you, it thank you. It was a long 20 years, but it got here. <laughs> it got here. And it was, I mean, it 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 wiped me out. Um, but I'm so glad because I was able to think back on that and just have a great memory of somebody who tried to advise me early on um, that you'll be okay, you'll be fine, but you know these things happen, and so um, and so now that I'm stuck in your brain too. Oh my goodness, yes, I'm sure. When you got there, you were like, uh, yeah, that, exactly. I That's what she was talking about. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, though, I as as fearless as I was before, I was fearless with the notion that failure is not an option. Hmm. Now my fearlessness is I'm a big dreamer still. I go after things, but I am given, I, you know, I give myself a bit more of a break in that I'm going to put all my effort into it so that it succeeds, but I'm also going to let myself off the hook if it doesn't turn out exactly the way I want to, because there's also lessons learned in that, which, you know, is a chapter in the book. That's awesome. Yep. I think all of that's very important to acknowledge and then move past and say, okay, yeah, failure really isn't a thing because you can always learn from those failures. And I don't think there's ever been a single failure in my life that didn't end up directing me to a new direction that was mm -hmm. far better than what I wanted, right. what I thought I knew I needed. Right. So it just takes time though. I think you're not, you shouldn't be expected in your twenties to have any sense of reality. Of the way <laughs> That's that. true. That's true too. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, you're, you, there's so many things you've got to learn all at once. It's like, once you hit 30, then you can start being like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm starting get to get the game. I get it now. I'm learning the rules. <laughs> I can't right. always win. Yeah. But man, those are hard lessons. The first couple of times it happens, you're like, yeah. it's not supposed to happen to me. I know. I'm the exception to the rule. Right. I worked really hard. I did everything that I, I was supposed to do. Best. I followed the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to shift really quickly before we leave the PR world behind. Okay. Um, so it's always been interesting to me to think about yourself as sort of your own company. So as it relates to your career, when you're looking for a new position or you're starting to daydream about what you might want to do next, um, I always find it helpful to think about yourself, all of your knowledge that you've gained, all of the skills that you've picked up along the way and what you were born with, the people you've met, the places you've worked, all of those things as part of kind of you Inc., right? You mm -hmm. as a company. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always fascinated by the idea of being able to articulately that's not right. Yeah. Articulate. <laughs> of mm -hmm. course, that word of all things I drew. <laughs> articulate. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I, I'm always fascinated by being able to tell your career story in a way that makes sense and is compelling to whoever you're trying to get to hire you next, or if you're starting your own company, whoever you're trying to get to back you. 
So what are some PR tips from the PR maven herself that mm -hmm. somebody can use? So say they're starting to think about moving over to a new industry and they're going to have to get in that interview room or write that cover letter and be able to kind of explain their story or put themselves in the best light and acknowledge all of those different elements of themselves that makes them really unique and hireable, even if maybe they don't have experience in that particular zone. Do you have any good like just PR as you ink tips that people could use to telling that story? Well, I think it's, it starts with the process of really taking a look at your own. I always, it's funny that you say that because I always use a resume as a good example of how my hype book works. Mm. You know how many times you've pulled out your resume and you go, oh, I forgot I did that. Yes. Yes. And then you, there's sort of this renewed sense of oomph about yourself because you just forget about that. You've moved on to the next job and then the next job. So taking time to really look back on your skills, your assets, and, and walking yourself mentally through the process that you did to achieve those things that you did on your job. Mm. That's a really great way to get yourself really hyped up, really excited, because confidence is such a powerful tool. There's something that I talk about in my workshops about how confidence actually wins over competence hmm. on many occasions. <laughs> right? I've seen I mean, it. <laughs> exactly. And you'll see somebody and you're like, how did they get to the yeah. top? And it's because they just have this confidence that they can do the job. And I'm not talking about the crazy ego maniac, but I'm talking about that person that just really believes they can do it. And then, you know, they get in there and of course they have to, you know, live up to that. But that is that thing that I say, you know, become your hype person. As the PR person, my job was to hype up my clients to get people excited, to build confidence about their brands and their service or their personality. And so looking back over your own history or your qualities or those things that you're really great at, even um, asking your friends, what, what is it that you see in me that's a really good quality? And, and taking inventory of those things, because that will help you walk into that interview with that much more confidence, seeing yourself as worthy of being there, and, and also much more um, uh, giving you much, a much greater ability to express that, confidently express that so that the person you're interviewing with sees it. Because sometimes you don't have all the, you know, you don't have all the experience for a job that you're going after, but if you can walk in there with a level of confidence that says that you can learn how to do it and do it really well, you know, you, you, get, you can get hired, you know, yeah. and, and that is, I think that's a real confidence builder right there. Oh yeah. Once you get a job that you feel slightly unqualified for, mm -hmm. yep. there's fewer feelings that give you an ego boost where you're like, oh, okay. I mean, of course- right. It's usually either it's followed by like a moment of, oh shit, what am I going to do? Oh my God, doing? what am I going to do? <laughs> oh exactly. my God, can I actually do this job? <laughs> right. I don't know. Yes. There's always that moment. But I think if you're always insanely confident that you know what you're doing and right. you never feel those moments of imposter syndrome, you're probably ready to move on from that anyway. Right. I think there's got to be a level where you have confidence in your ability to do whatever. Yeah. but you're not so overly confident that you're no longer challenged, right? Exactly. That's the thing. Is challenge is a big part of it. 
being challenged is a big part of it. And it's a big part of what contributes to that imposter syndrome, you know, as well. Um, but I, I think we have to manage that. We have to find those ways to manage that so that those things work for us and not against us. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. PR is gone. We're done with PR. We're full, okay. full hype book now. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we kind of just talked about it a little bit, but I want to hear your thoughts on where, what is the line between being super confident and being, you know, an egomaniac, like way too confident, cocky, arrogant person. How do you know if you're kind of in the right zone with those traits? Okay. So here's the thing. The book as you know, you just held up. It's really, I purposefully did it, the cover to be pretty discreet. Mm. Um, so it's just debossed that my hype book is just debossed. And then, um, the, the quote on the back, the presence of humility should not mean the absence of personal accolade. So the reason why I did it that way, because I wanted to be, I wanted it to be designed beautifully enough to be a tabletop book, but not something that is about yelling and screaming, I'm so amazing that you become that obnoxious person to your friends. Right. And so it really is about this inner um, uh, awareness of what you have to offer and what you, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your qualities, all of those things. It's a very, very personal journey. And the difference to me between pride and confidence is there's something about confidence that helps other people to raise, it raises other people up. Mm -hmm. You know, you ever walk into a room where you're around somebody who's confident, they may be a little bit intimidating, but there's something about you that you're drawn to them and you want to get closer and you want to glean from them and you want to know about them and you want to know from them. Right. Exactly. And you, you, it's just something that's very magnetic. Mm-hmm. Pride, however, is that thing where you look down on other people and mm-hmm. you think more of yourself than I think you actually should. I think it can be a really fine line, but I also think it can be a really gaping just you know this distinction between the two um, but i you know my 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 hope was never to create something that you know caused somebody to go crazy, but it it really is. And I know far more people who are way too critical of themselves than people that think too much of themselves. Um, but it is, it's a process of, of using it as a tool to talk to yourself, to change what's going on in your head, not necessarily to tell the world about it because that doesn't right. you know, really matter. Okay. So how do we do it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go with scenario here. You, you got laid off from your job. This actually happened to me seven years ago. I got laid off from my job for a number of reasons, but you know, a few of which were my own fault, mm-hmm. um, which you know probably took me five or six years, for being honest, to come to. But mm-hmm. um, that was such an ego blow because I had been such an all star at that job for a long time, and then just had some personal stuff go on and let it affect my work and all of these things. And so I got let go. And in the moment, there was the ego blow because you're like, how dare you? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. 20s. 20s are crazy. <laughs> um, and then there's, you know, it's almost the, the many stages of grief, right? It's like the next phase for me was, oh God, I'm never going to work again. Who's going to ever hire me? Like, what am I going to do if I can't even do this? I'm, what am I? Mm-hmm. And 
for me, that, that ended up transpiring into a lot of events, one of which ended up being moving to LA to be a TV show host, but that's neither here nor there. Um, So if you've just been dealt a blow like that, where your Mm -hmm. ego took a hit, say it was with your job, you got laid off or you got reprimanded by your boss or anything like that. What's, what's a way to quickly regain some of that confidence so that you don't start spiraling into this you know, mode of feeling sorry for yourself and hopelessness? I think the first thing is to just sort of mourn, give yourself permission to, you know, mourn that loss for whatever reason. And if it, and I think you you need to go through the stages of grief where you're (laughs) lost, where you're sad, and then you're pissed off, and then you're going to show them. And it's, it's important to go through all of those. That's a, that's a reality because it is a loss. It's a, a death of a, a chapter in your life, whether it was by your doing or somebody else's, it's gone. And so the sooner you can wrap yourself around that, the better. Then I would say the next thing that you, once you get over that hump is taking some time to really look at what did you gain from that job? What are you better at? What are you wiser about? What do you now know that you didn't know? And start making an actual list of those things. I have a section in the book that's called Lessons Learned. Um, and I purposefully had Joanna design the book so that the crisis or challenge that you face, the box there is little. Mm. Because you don't need to, you've already renumerated on that. I guarantee you, you know, whoever, you've already spent time playing that record. Well, now let's look at what are you, what's, what are you all the wiser? What characteristics in that position or with that company aren't a good fit for you? And make a list of those as well so that when you are applying for your next job, and also when you're applying for the job, realizing you're interviewing them just as much as oh, they're yeah. interviewing People do you. not keep that in mind with interviews. Oh, my One goodness. of my biggest pet peeves. It is like a first date. Everybody's mm-hmm. lying to everybody else. You're all trying to look good. Mm-hmm. You're all spitting this web of lies about what things are going to be like when you're together. And it's like, what if you just cut each other off of the chase? And we're like, <laughs> right. okay, listen. Exactly. So when you see those things, you take, you know, you now know if I see anything that looks like this boss is going to have the kind of characteristics that didn't fit me for me, then I know that's not, you know, a good place for me. But you've got to be very clear on what those things are. So first taking note of all of the things that you learned, the experiences that you had, it's like going really doing a resume, but really in far more detail than you'd ever have, you know, room to do Yep. inches to do on a page. And then thinking about what are all the things that I don't like, didn't like about that place, or even the people that I had to work with so that I know to look out for those in my next use those two things um, to help you then prepare yourself for the next, you know, the next thing that you go after. Um, it's it's just so easy to sit in that dysfunctional hurt and and regret. Um, but another part of the book you mentioned it earlier is talking about things that you've overcome and looking back. You know, I actually overcame that. I lost that job. You know, mm. and it didn't kill me. <laughs> you know? I know. I think once you've gone through something that you were for sure certain that mm-hmm. it was going to just take you down. 
exactly. and you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm still here. Right. I'm surrounded by the rubble, but I'm still here. <laughs> exactly. It takes a lot to knock you down again. Yeah, um, it does. You, you're stronger down. for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, I think that's what your twenties are built for <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> I know. So what about in your personal life? Say you get dumped horrifically, which Hey, also happened to me in my twenties. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, too. I, I often talk about that relationship, um, because it, it was simultaneous with my really dark years of work, my career. I was super unhappy in my career. I felt unfulfilled and unmotivated. And in my personal life, I was feeling the same things and mm-hmm. probably blaming the other side on both of the, you know, that side, like my job sucked because I hated my boyfriend and my boyfriend sucked because I hated my job. It was, it was all kind of tied in together. So thank goodness for the dump of that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was really hard to get back up after that too. Right. So does this all kind of tie in together is confidence, confidence, confidence. <laughs> I think it ties in. I think it ties in. The reason it ties in is because the more you know who you are and what you have to offer um, and you see yourself in that, through that, the reality, I, I'm a firm believer that we all are actually a culmination of all of the good things that we do more so than the crappy stuff. Mm. Um, but because we spend more time thinking about that, we don't always look at ourselves in the light that I think we deserve to be in. And so um, I, I remember years ago, I worked at a gym, a private fitness club, and one of the girls there was on and off with this guy. They date and then they break up. And, they, and he was not a good guy for her. But we'd always say, don't go back to him. And she'd go back to him. Mm-hmm. And then she finally got to a place where she said, I'm not going to go back to him. And we're like, okay, Joyce, we trust you. You're not going to go back to him. And she said, I decided to make a list of all of the great things about him. And then a list of all of the crappy things about him. And that list is so long. And so whenever I'm tempted to go back, I'm going to pull that list out. And it really worked for her. And so it's almost like the same, you know, concept in that maybe looking at that relationship that ended badly and say, all right, what worked with it and what did not work? And usually those things that didn't work, you had the signs early mm-hmm. on, you just ignored them. Yep. And, but now you have it in black and white and you have to deal with it on a different level and say, well, these are qualities that really worked for me, but these are qualities that really were damning for the relationship. And so when I see that, I know that that's my exit signal or the signal that I don't even attempt to go there. But relationships and breakups can be really hard because then they make you wonder, especially if the person is breaking up with you, what did I do wrong? What's especially wrong with me? Especially if they're definitely a crappy person and you're like, hey, <laughs> right. if a crappy person's breaking up with me, what does that make me? <laughs> I, know, I, know. I know, but, but the, the, the reality is it just makes them really look loser that doesn't know a good thing <laughs> when right. they see it. I know. But, uh, you, you know, we can't measure ourselves on those because they are, people do things for a litany of reasons. Um, but, if, but, but the more we have this inward um, uh, perspective on ourselves that recognizes that we're good people and we do good things and we have great intentions and we're honorable what, what we do, then we realize we're worthy of more. And honestly, what it all comes down to is what is understanding what you are worthy of and walking in that worth and demanding 
that those around you recognize that worth and value as well. So how do you do that? How do you, you know, say you're not in a position where you can just flip your desk over and quit your job or, <laughs> you know, leave it all behind to go be a travel blogger, which I think is everybody's dream job. <laughs> I know it. Um, you know, how do you, how do you maintain a level of confidence and self-respect really, which is what it comes down to when you do find yourself in a situation that just wears on you day in and day out? Honestly, you've got to think about what you're thinking about. What, what are you spending your time thinking about? Even there are some really simple things that I, I realized today. I did another interview earlier today on a radio show and I was on my way there and I was starting to get a little nervous about it. And I was like happy, but oh, nervous. Oh, nervous? I know. <laughs> yes, totally. And so I started, I'm like, wait, let me just put on music that makes me feel like a, a real badass. You know? What was that song? It's, well, it's, it's a bunch of them. It's Alicia Keys and it's, um, what's his name? Um, the, little, the little guy. Oh, wait, I know who you're talking about. Uptown Funk? Bruno yes. Mars. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. <laughs> so all of that, I put on that music that makes me feel really good. But even, even before that, I put on clothes that make me feel confident. I am vertically challenged. So, <laughs> so I like to put on my nice four inch platform heels that make me feel tall and put on my long straight pants that make my legs feel longer. And these are these simple little natural things that help boost my confidence in just how I see myself so that I walk a little bit taller walking out the door. Mm. And um, that is some of those things that help me because when I, my sister, she's going to, oh my goodness, she's going to have a fit that I'm telling the story. But when yes. we were kids, <laughs> when she was feeling really sad, remember she had this little blue record player and she would put on, you remember Kermit the Frog and his song, It's Not Easy Being Green? Yes. So when she was sad, oh. she would put that song on and sit in her room and just be sad. You know? Oh yeah. There are times when you just want to wallow. Exactly. Big time. Exactly. Yeah. And so I appreciate that now because she give herself a moment to be really sad, you know? But then you have to shake that off and you can't stay in that place. So even if it's doing these simple, shallow little things like dressing yourself up or putting on some lipstick, going to see a movie, getting around your friends that are your hype friends that will remind you that you are worthy, those things really matter and they make a difference because the opposite of going in that room and putting on it's not easy being green and shutting the door sitting in your robe in the dark that does not help at all no you're so right and I will say you know for me what ended up changing the tide of confidence after the breakup and you know I was in a place in my career where I was I had an MBA but I had moved to California after getting laid off and just wanting to be a tv show host because I just didn't know what else to do and very quickly realizing, okay, I don't want to do that actually. And then feeling totally and utterly lost, mm -hmm. dating this horrible guy, having him treat me very badly. So it was all just a big pile of crap for a while mm -hmm. there. And after we broke up, I really started putting one foot in front of the other and was like, okay, I don't want to stay in this zone forever because right. this isn't me. This is not my natural state of being. I'm like right. a happy, 
fun person and I'm being like a total sad sack, you know, Mm -hmm. bummer. Um, and what ended up working well for me was sure. I kept the serving job because I had to pay bills and LA is not cheap, Mm -hmm. but I started doing things on the side that I felt really good at. And Mm -hmm. one of those things was accountability coaching my Mm -hmm. fellow coworkers at the restaurant, helping them put one foot in front of another for their own careers. They all wanted to be actors or writers and they're spending their days waiting tables with me. Everybody just feeling sorry for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so doing those things that I felt really good at and getting immediate praise from people saying, Mm -hmm. you're really good at this. You should charge for this. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. I just like doing it. Ah." Back when, you know, it felt weird to charge for things that you were good at. (laughs) Um, And it was through that confidence that I started building, doing those things that other people started to notice. And I ended up making some new connections who then connected me to um, the job that I would eventually take after that, which was my kind of my first job back into the real world after getting laid off, you know, a few years earlier in Florida. And if it hadn't been for those moments of me being like, wait, I'm not just a waitress. I've got a lot more to offer the world and having people reaffirm that and hype me up and show me that I was actually good at something that I hadn't been doing that started, you know, I feel like it's a vibe you start to put off. It is. And I will tell you, it was not but a few months later after I got that first job out of the restaurant industry uh, that I ended up starting to date my now husband. And Mm -hmm. people can tell when you're feeling good about yourself. sure. You project it. Yes. You project it whether you want to or not. And as much as we think that we can hide it and we can mask it, there's something about what's going on the inside that definitely shows through on the outside. So it's, I think we all have a responsibility to do our due diligence to make sure that we are constantly working on that, that inside. You know what I have to say I love about your story is when you moved here after your, your job in LA, you kind of have to keep working because you can't just not work here. Um, But that you kept, moving forward, you know, because it could be very easy to say, wait, I've got a, what'd you say? You've got your MBA, your master's. Mm-hmm. I've got my MBA and I can't wait tables that I, you know, and then you really get in the funk because you're not finding the job that you need to have because you're in such a funk. And when you go in that interview, as much as you think you may be going in there looking all confident, mm-hmm. that lack of confidence somehow shows through. Sure and, that. but you did something, you kept doing it even at waiting tables. And then you found something in that to continue to move you forward by doing this thing that brought you a sense of joy and purpose Mm -hmm. with the people that you worked around to a point where it really informed this new, you know, life that you're now living where you're doing this for people on a whole nother level. I'm very thankful that there was something in me that felt it might've been the lack of confidence, honestly, that allowed me to put my ego aside. And like, I literally graduated with my MBA December 10th, moved to LA December 30th and started waiting tables, like probably January 10th. So one month after graduating with my MBA and starting to have to pay back my student loans, (laughs) I took a serving job at a seafood restaurant where I had to wear an ugly ass olive green vest (laughs) and a black tie and a yellow shirt. And I looked ridiculous and I felt ridiculous. But I'm so freaking thankful yeah. for those couple of years of, it was almost career time out for me. Yeah. Where I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm not going to push myself to figure it out today. I'm going to let yeah. 
myself experiment a little bit. I mean, I did a lot of random stuff during those years. Like I did social media for a singer songwriter comedy duo friend of mine. I like worked in an art gallery for a little bit. And this was all while having at least one, sometimes two serving jobs. So it was by no means easy. They were some of the hardest years, but also some of the most fun and freeing. Yeah. Because I could quit at any time. I could move at any time. I could try something new at any time. And there was a lot of confidence building in that, knowing that, okay, I might have not technically gotten myself in this position intentionally, but I'm here now and I'm going to own it. I'm going to just do the best that I can with what I've got today and what I know to be true about myself and just go from there. I love that. I love that you gave yourself permission to explore because I think sometimes we put so much pressure, undue pressure on ourselves to validate all those years of school. Oh yeah. To validate your age, you know, you, you I, I should have a certain, I should be at a certain, I should be making a certain. And then when you aren't, then you really beat yourself up and it becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah. I love that you gave yourself permission to explore, which is something I wish more people would have the courage to do and wisdom, you know, to do, because in that you, you find, um, this ability to find the things that you really love and the things that you don't, you know. Oh, it's such an important skill. I mean, I, you know, I'm definitely a career experimenter and that Mm -hmm. was the first online course and workshop that I created. And it was because I finally realized like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am had I not tried a little bit of this and a little Mm -hmm. bit of that. And it's now given me this, you know, this set of tools to be able to keep doing that for myself throughout Mm -hmm. my career. Yeah. I don't assume for one second that I'll be doing the same thing for the rest of my waking days. I'm right. sure I'm positive that I will continue to have all kinds of different weird jobs and things that, you know, excite me for the moment. But mm-hmm. too often we let our 18 year old selves, when we go off to college, if we do that, decide what the rest of our lives are going to be like. We don't exactly. know anything right. exactly. about what's coming down the pipe. Like, so true. No idea. So I think checking in with yourself and allowing yourself to explore and experiment to the best of your ability. We all have responsibilities, of course, but we also have a lot of control over what we think we need and what success is. And we often really need far less than we think that we do. Oh, for sure. That's so funny. You, one of the questions that you asked me about was, um, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead of you, but you asked me about my favorite book. Yes. Essentialism. I also love this book. I'm like halfway through. You not through. love it? It's Isn't so it good. wonderful? It's so freeing too. It's awesome. Yeah, just it's, focusing it's, on the stuff that actually matters. Matters. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's It's been such a, it was, I read it a couple of years ago. Um, a pastor at our church had, you know, us read it uh, in oh, one great. of our small groups. And it just really helped to change things for me. And now I'm reading it again, just so that I can, you know, kind of refresh myself because it it just sort of breaks things down. We put a lot of, you know, crazy burdens on ourselves that aren't necessary when really just comes down to let my, that same boss used to say, how about let the main thing be the main thing. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, when we can wrap ourselves around that, then that's good. You know what? Also, I, one thing that I would say too, is when you're in that place is having mentors that will help you, you know, because sometimes we, we get in denial. We don't want to, we don't want to accept that this is, this journey is over or this season is up. 
And it, you need that person that has a little more wisdom to say, it's okay, you know, it's okay to not do that anymore. It's okay to try something new. And then, you go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe I will try something new. So what would, what would you today tell your 22-year-old sassy can't fail self? I would, uh, I would take my boss's advice to say that, yes, failure is a fact of life and it's okay and it won't kill you. And I would also um, say exactly what I'm doing now and taking far more inventory of the things that make me proud of myself. And I spend a lot less time ruminating over my disappointments. I have, I found that to be the booby trap. And I remember my sister, when she was um, going through a really challenging season, she, you remember that little song? It was a little, little church song. And you'd say, I've got the joy, 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 joy oh, yeah. down in my heart. She said, so when she started feeling bad, she'd just sing that song really loudly in her car. But is this the same sister from yes. Easy Being Green? So she's yes. clearly got a theme here. She's got a theme. She she's totally got songs has a theme. for every, every situation. <laughs> she really does. Um, and so she's the one that says when she walks into the room, the Bruno Mars music comes on. That's and it, great. It's kind of true. She's sort of the party waiting to happen. <laughs> but um, but she said when she'd have those defeating thoughts, she would just sing that song out really loudly in the car just to <laughs> shut that noise up. And, and we, it's almost like we have to have these tricks that help us to convince ourselves of what's right about ourselves as opposed to letting, you know, the dark stuff eclipse, you know what's going on, right? And I, I think I did that. I, I didn't, probably the biggest thing of all that I would tell myself is to let myself off the hook a lot more quickly and more easily than I have had a habit of doing. Yeah, we're all very hard on ourselves and, uh, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah, yep, yeah. unnecessarily so, but and that is part of the journey as well, you know? So I, I'm grateful for that, but I, I'm also really cognizant of trying to teach myself these lessons so I don't go around that same, you know. Yeah, get a um, new lesson to learn. Quit, exactly. Quit teaching yourself I love that. That's right. Get a new lesson to learn. It's true because so there are some lessons, they'll keep coming at you until you really get them. Right. And so the sooner you just acknowledge it, you're like, okay, fine. I hear you. Yeah. Fine. I learn. I get it. I'm, I'm moving on. Then I'm sure you'll get served another brand new lesson to take it. Exactly. But at least then you're growing, right? You yeah, you're that. growing. And you can use that lesson to inform this new lesson. Absolutely. You know? so. Yeah, we're all just a combination of all of our experiences and everything that's happened. And yeah, I think it's super important to remember. And that's why you should probably all go get yourself a hype book. That's why. Because not only are they beautiful, even if you never fill it out, which you obviously should, they're so awesome. So oh, yeah, you. if you're, if you're in a place where you're like, all right, I'm feeling a little down. I don't know who I am anymore or what I have to give. It's such a great thing to fill out and have by your side during those dips in your life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If, if there's one thing that I hope that I do is, is show people how to become their own inner advocate you know, yeah. be your biggest cheerleader, to be that champion for yourself, because sometimes you don't always have somebody else around you. And it, it really is just a matter of looking at the facts. And if you're putting the yeah. facts in that book, then you can't argue with that. You said that earlier. I love that. I hadn't heard it like that, but you can't argue with the facts. Yeah. And when so. you're tough on yourself, 
you know, you're laying out probably a lot of facts about why you suck. So you may as well do it for why you <laughs> suck. Exactly. So I know. Good. Well, I love Tony, that. I love this. We could keep going for a hundred hours, but <laughs> I know in the interest of brevity, we'll cut it here. But thank you for all the work you've done on this. And I'm so excited for even more people to learn about it and how to incorporate confidence in their own lives and careers and personally and, and everything because it's so oh, important. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. This has been as fun as our uh, lunchtime. So we have to do that again sometime <laughs> soon. Yeah. And we didn't even drink. That was all. I know, right? <laughs> That's right. I know. So good. Uh, but thank you so much. And I, I'm so excited for you. I, I will be tuning in to every episode because thank I, you. I love your questions and, and the way you interview. And I know this is going to be a huge success. Thank you. I'm feeling so confident. Oh, very good. Very good. Thanks, Tony. All righty. Take care. You too.